What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Joe. Awesome. Yeah. So it's uh this is round two of us trying to record a podcast. Like the uh the initial um recording uh it was a great conversation and I was very bummed when I uh listened to it and it's like the uh um the audio didn't work out. So it, it is what it is. <laughs> so it gives us another chance to, to chat. So I guess that's uh that's the bonus. For sure. And the second one will be better, I'm pretty sure about that. So yeah. <laughs> Well, we have no choice but to make it better. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man. So, I, I guess to kick it off for people who don't know who you are, do you want to give a quick intro about yourself? Yeah. So, I'm Ravid Jain, founder and host of the Ravid Show. People uh, in the data space might have heard about me, about my show somehow, because I kind of go out there and do a lot of free stuff. Uh, I do go out and you know share a lot of uh, free resources with the community from uh the legends recommend a lot of books but not only is that obviously host a show which is the rabbit show where i interview leaders who are ceos ceos head of engineering head of uh product or you know thought leaders like you joe and getting the uh you know the insights for the community and bridging that gap where uh you know we're listening to even the startup founders but not only is that also the enterprise leaders who are sitting uh in actually buying those tools which these startups are selling so those types of conversation we have on the rabbit show it's a live show so folks kind of get to obviously ask questions on that live show and uh, get closer to the ceo cdos and those thought leaders so it's all fun but yeah that's me i also work as a head community evangelist with uh at scale which is a boston-based company and uh, we've been uh, obviously into the semantic layer and doing a lot there so I make sure where the community is, uh, I'm bridging that gap where uh, I'm bringing the right insights for the community from at scale as well uh, and getting them closer to what semantic layer is, what data warehousing is uh, and uh, making making that work easier for the data enterprises as well where, uh, you know, it's uh, not just another marketing gig or uh, gimmick that they kind of feel, but uh, some authentic, uh, you know, content that we create at ad scale as well and uh, bring it for our community. It's really interesting. Kind of rewinding back to the, the rabbit show. I mean, you've been doing that for quite a while. How did that all get started? Yeah. So uh, good question in terms of, you know, the, the starting point uh, was somewhere close to three and a half years back. If I remember, I was, uh you know it was just out of uh where i was closely working with packed publishing which is a publishing company uh, out of uk and i used to closely work with tech authors uh who used to write books uh, in ai and data science space and uh my my job as a community manager back then who used to obviously make sure where i'm bringing again the right uh books to the community and getting into those small pockets of communities and bring them uh those educational materials uh which would be the book for from pact or otherwise as well and that's when i kind of realized that there's a lot of gap in terms of people understanding this space and there's a lot of education that people you know want to uh get not only just from the books or from uh courses but they kind of want to listen to real cases real world cases that are happening they want to listen to the uh, thought leaders, they want to listen to the real builders in the uh, data science and AI field. And that's when I thought, you know, okay, let's start with something 
around the lines where uh, I could uh, help them. And that gave birth to the rabbit show where I was like, okay, let's go live uh, and see what happens. And I, my, my theory, I never wanted, you know, it, it wasn't like, oh, I want this as a media company to grow in the next four years or five years or where I'm working with companies as well. And, you know, but the only idea was to help the community in a way where uh, it's not salesy. Uh, no one will talk about the products and services specifically. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just about, you know, coming on the show, talk about the space, talk about what are you doing? What do you think about the future? If there's generative AI that's come up, then what do you think about it? How is it, where, how is it, you know, that with generative AI, if you have any implementation already in your software, how are you helping your customers? Those types of stories people love to hear uh, rather than someone just talking about their production services and, you know, uh, just just giving a sales page out there. So that's, uh, you know, being the USP from day one. And uh, that has helped me pretty well to grow in the rabbit show as well uh, because people kind of feel that this is uh, the conversation we want to listen to. It's not very formal. It's not where, oh, there's a pre-script put in place and uh, we'll just be you know asking about these things in this two-way conversation as well if it's like okay even if i have like five questions that i'll think about that i'll, I'll be asking this guest but if i go about and say ask two questions and after that if i have like 10 questions from the audience i'll take all the questions from the audience itself right. it will be just two-way i'm just a person who's asking questions uh that's it uh because it kind of covers a good ground and uh my agenda with the rabbit show from day one was that and it kind of still works on that uh pretty well so yeah it happened uh it's been four years now obviously uh with uh with obviously we growing and scaling up uh things kind of become difficult in terms of you being the alone uh one to handle so many things so my wife came on board and she obviously uh, now works nice. uh, as a co-founder of the Rabbit Show and does a lot of things, which is, you know, obviously working around the outreach or promotions or making sure how we are, you know, getting the messaging, not only just on one channel, but distributing it at various places and how we can grow this. So that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that gives me more, uh, play as well to think around that how we can grow further so we're working with a few video editors as well to make sure that the content that comes up is also rich but uh, yeah that's that's a little bit about the rabbit show we still uh, not that huge uh, but as a media company we still have worked with a lot of uh, amazing companies and proud of that uh, uh, you know obviously because it puts uh, it's difficult i know where you know companies need to have that authentic uh, trust and once they have they'll have like i work with a lot of companies which are which have like uh, retained our services as well from years uh, companies like mm -hmm. starburst we work them work with them since last three years uh, and yeah. do different gigs for them just to make sure where they have their voices out there and what they're creating is amazing so it always helps yeah, it's interesting. We we have I think similar ish um, shows. I would say they're also very very different um, and um, complementary to, to a big degree. I always found that you know the the crux for me at like your take on this is like finding a good guest and then I think figuring out a good mm -hmm. balance of of the conversation that you have with that guest. I don't know how how do you go about finding guests for your show? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, 
<laughs> uh, so it's a, it, it's it's both ways. Like sometimes now, obviously, since last two and a half years, I kind of get at least uh, five to ten requests in a week. Where uh, there are folks who would be like, "Okay, we want to. We have a story. We want to share it with you." And then there's obviously companies that we would want to reach out to if there's a new seed series uh, startup which has just come in, and you know, talking about them. Uh, and getting their stories out there to the world kind of makes sense because they are in that innovation phase, which people would definitely want to learn about. And uh, if it's not a buzzword, uh, or if it's a buzzword, I am, uh, you know, it's my how I take it as a job is uh, if people are talking about data mesh, bring that up. Uh, and if it's yeah. you know, obviously for people to decide wherein you know after two years data mesh tail is hot if it is right now people you know love that we just want to be the first ones to bring those kind of topics out so we do reach out to companies but a lot of folks uh, companies also do reach out uh, again uh, there are various types of requests but i kind of explain them the format and luckily i think companies also have started understanding these startups that there's no way you should be talking just about the product or uh, you yeah. know, uh, you need to have that voice where how you're solving the problem for the customers. How will it make it a, make a difference in uh, them using your product? And that will only work. Or just make them curious. Uh, an audience would love to you know obviously learn more and more things about you and your product. Then, yeah, I find it the same thing too. And it's it's one of those things where I feel like the um, um, I think companies are catching on. But I think for the longest time, especially at the beginning of COVID, when everyone was doing webinars, um, you know, and live streams, a lot of the uh, it definitely seemed a lot more salesy. I would say a few years ago, um, right? You know, and, and now it's interesting just because there's there's so many companies in the data space. For one, it's like I think um, as, as I talk to founders, it's a really interesting discussion because the uh, yeah. the recognition that uh, you know distribution and I think getting out of that. Uh, bubble of obscurity or you know breaking mm -hmm. through that ob obscurity is like it's it's huge it's a huge problem for companies because uh, there's just so many of them right now and uh um you know and simultaneously what you're seeing is you know uh, a lot of budgets for data tools are being cut back and so but more than ever you're starting to see a lot of companies i think coming out of the woodwork and trying to market because i think they realize this is kind of if you're not going to do it now when are you going to do it so you know true yeah yeah, it's interesting though, but you know, it's, but it's, it is, it is definitely a balance in trying to get guests who I think have a good conversation, but aren't going to just use it for blatantly shilling their products. So, yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, in terms of the guests as well, uh, I think, uh, guests when they kind of, obviously sometimes if they are coming from a vendor side, they have a particular mindset that okay yeah. uh, how do i make the most out of it if if i talk to a developer advocate uh, obviously they ha it's it's their job where they need to talk about their product or you know the open source uh, uh, technology that they are coming from so it kind of gets difficult then it's a difficult balance for them as well in the the best way when i say is try out practical examples uh, mm. tell us about how you know Tell, tell tell the folks more about uh, the technology in a way where, uh, again, uh, people will trust your product, but 
sit on the open source bait where it's for free people can try and you know obviously they can win there yeah. and then uh, you know get to the next level so developer advocates always have that type of uh struggle but then they kind of understand and then they are super smooth when because they obviously they are uh, amazing at what they do uh and they understand that balance and when it's an enterprise uh like i spoke to uh, i remember veronica recently and then also i spoke to dora uh i think uh both both of them have, have like years of experience in enterprise and they had a completely different perspective uh and the outlook as well because they are the customers oh, uh yeah so so they they have amazing uh insights about uh what are the real pain points that they face day in and out and how has the evolution happened uh what it looked like five years back what it uh what it looks currently in uh how they feel about the future as well so those type of you know uh interesting insights every vendor also would want to uh hear about hear from these experts yeah so so that's like the balance as well where i kind of keep it a mix where oh you you you're the vendor side but you also need to your the uh leader side as well who are actually buying these products or using it day in and out or maybe creating something like this so they always kind of feel uh, the audience kind of feel uh, very intrigued when they your two sides and not every day i don't think like uh your show apart obviously your monday morning chat show is amazing i love it and you you talk to everyone each side you kind of cover and that's what you know basically mm-hmm. we do as well where it's like uh we're not selling anything but you learn a lot from each of the uh sides as well yeah yeah i think it's key too and it's it's one of the things for i like you know my show is invite only and i usually have to yeah. get the personal invite because I don't um and everyone wants to be on the show right but I uh, exactly. if you if you email to be on the show I'll, I'll, I'll probably unless it's a good uh story probably uh, have you wait um and the reason is uh for one you know in in some weird way it, it, more people want to be on the show all of a sudden because it's hard to get onto um but also <laughs> the uh the conversations are super key right and so you always want to figure out sure. like what's the what's the story you want to talk about who's the person you want to talk about um you know or talk with and so forth and it's um you know i definitely try and get like very various perspectives you know and and i think very competing um uh, opinions on stuff too right and and having um, you know various companies in the space like i think we had uh, at scale and you know our yeah. show and talking about semantic layers and we had cube um and then i Holland Zima who absolutely hates semantic layer you know talking about <laughs> kind of back to back to back right but it's you know because i think part of it for matt and i when we do these shows is just trying to understand um you know just things that we didn't know before i mean for us it's educational we don't make any money off the show we um, yeah. you know, nobody pays to be on the show and so it's kind of like we just we just want to have good conversations with people and, and learn something new so you know that's that's it's so it's cool i mean you know there's just different approaches and then it's it's interesting because we run in sort of this uh circle called loosely the uh, the data avengers and you know we have a lot of other friends wow. who have uh, shows and <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh exactly um you know george has his show kate has hers um who else in the group uh, I, uh i i think scott does live sessions but then uh very yeah. limited he's more of a conference person he kind of goes out there and he's like killing it at a, each of the conferences so mm-hmm. he's been invited at a lot of conferences uh harpreet used to do i remember he used to do 
uh, these uh, happy hours, I guess. Office so, hours, yeah. The uh, artist office hours, right. yeah. Yeah, I hope he brings that back. That was a lot of fun. It was a good way to kind of cap off the uh, Friday. Yeah. Um, but uh, I missed that a lot. That was for the audience out there that didn't know that. So Harpreet Sahota had a uh, show called um, The Artist of Data Science. And basically every afternoon on uh, Friday, Friday. just kind of open office hours. You get a bunch of, uh, you know, people who have questions and people who might have answers and get them together and see what happens. And I think it was, uh, it was a really magical uh, time, I think, on, on uh, at least for the... Uh, data nerds um because it was in COVID. it was it was in the peak of COVID, you know and it's kind of like but we met a lot of people there i think i don't know if that's where i met you at but um you know uh, yeah it was, uh, it's interesting you know. i don't know i i think we met online itself like linkedin uh, for me i've met all the data ventures on linkedin itself uh there's no other yeah. way like i haven't met them at uh at a particular company i worked at but i think and this this is the power of a when you know uh, how things have come together from covid obviously but power of linkedin uh, mm-hmm. as well so things things kind of have become way stronger in terms of the social media as well uh, and the data community but joe i have one question for you in terms of you know obviously uh, i know it's your show i don't want to take over but uh, one oh, don't question worry about it. <laughs> yeah we, we both in we just, both interview people so this is how it's going to go so. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of you know obviously the community as well i know you you kind of go on the road shows as well you have one with dbt that you 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 have upcoming uh, but you do a lot of uh, shows uh, in person uh, on road uh, so how do you kind of distinguish this uh, you know the whole linkedin webinars uh, and you know the live sessions that you do as compared to the one that you do i, I know the utah meetups as well that you do very often and yeah. uh, obviously uh, there there's a lot of traction for the, those types of meetups as well so what's like the biggest uh, like First one, which one do you think is better? I, I know it's a difficult one to even uh, choose, but uh, what's your take on uh, both of those? It's a good question. I feel like, um, you know, in-person is just something I'd always done before. I've been running meetups for a really, really long time. You know, exactly. I helped start a Python meetup over 10 years ago. And, you know, um, I think a Ruby meetup I helped with back in the 2009 or 10, whatever. But anyway, like, you know, I started the um, Utah Data Engineering Meetup with a few friends uh, back in 2018. So that's about five years old. And so I've always done yep. meetups, right? I mean, um, mm. always had some community involvement. That, But I'd say up until COVID, that was all localized, right? I was focused on the Utah market where I live, um, specifically Salt Lake City. Yep. And, um, you know, COVID sort of blew the doors off everything, right? I mean, um, you know, suddenly, you know, and, and writing, a, I think, a really popular book certainly helped. But, um, yeah. you know, then all of a sudden I started getting asked to, you know, travel and give talks. And, you know, pretty soon that those domestic <laughs> events started becoming global events to the point where I actually, I think I, I exactly. give more talks overseas now than I do in the States. So it's, hmm. um, I don't know, but I'll, I, you know, if I compare it to the shows, I just kind of look at everything as like one, um, I don't know, there's, it's just sort of one continuous flow of things. Right. I mean, you know, and I, yeah. and I have fun with it all. Right. So it's like, I, I like doing the in-person stuff. I think that uh, bridges like, the gap uh, from online and, Mm. online purchase a gap back to the real world so you know when i go to conferences now it's it's not uncommon to get hit up for like selfies every two three minutes <laughs> um just walking yeah. down the street i'm not, not kidding dude it's it is it's crazy like um you know in san francisco like last month for data because it's just waiting for a uber then somebody just pops in and 
takes a selfie real quick and I'm like, just, yeah, <laughs> oh, so, wow. it's, so it's, it's, it's interesting to have that happen. Right. But I mean, I definitely, right. definitely, you know, it's cool to see, but, um, you know, I, I think the in-person again, it just sort of bridges the, um, you know, the gap back to, um, you know, the, the shows and yeah. So, so to me, it's almost like, it's just one, like I said, one continuum of the same thing. Right. Which is just talking with awesome people. You get to talk to them in person. You get to talk to them online. I don't know. So it's, but you know, it's about community. Right. And, and I think that that's the yeah. more important thing. I just understand this community is, it does exist outside of uh, social media as well, surprisingly enough. Uh, exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. I, I so agree with you, you know, your points here because you kind of, uh, I, when I obviously, uh, I've been, obviously, uh, I reside here in Mumbai in India and uh, I've been mm-hmm. visiting, uh, traveling a lot for uh, events now uh, since things have opened up since last one and a half year, two years, we've been traveling a lot, everyone. So, you know, at the start of COVID, it was a different scenario when you used to sit online and do stuff. But since things have opened up and now not everyone's going to spend like uh, three hours on LinkedIn, they would rather, you know, obviously they have an event that they'll be at. So if you want to meet and fill that gap, you can be there. You can, you know, obviously uh, uh, go out and, you know, obviously meet a larger audience there as well. I know it's sometimes I kind of debate uh, with myself where, you know, oh, is it better to be on air in, uh, you know, reach places or go to just one place for a meetup and just you know uh have have you know two days spent there uh with those you know maybe 500 folks who are attending or thousand folks who are attending but i kind of feel uh that debate is kind of you know going away because i kind of i i feel that in-person gap like you mentioned and the and the people living out of the social media if you kind of go out there and meet them uh that's uh you know a different world altogether of of our community the data community as well so it's always fun that way uh talking about selfies i remember uh last year in singapore i had someone um uh i guess from Imply company, you might know Imply folks, you closely work with them yeah, for, for your yep. meetups. Yeah. So uh, I guess it was the APAC team. I was at Singapore conference, Big Data and AI World. And there was this guy uh, from Imply company and he's like, uh, because I was wearing my hoodie and that's how, uh, you know, obviously it has the Robert Shaw on it. And uh, that guy was like, oh, are you, uh, are you Robert Jen? So I'm like, yeah. So, and then he goes like, are you sure about it? Or are you the clone uh, of Robert Jen? I'm like, <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'm the one. I'm the one. So he's like, uh, uh, so he just, he just goes like, oh, so you're very rich. Why are you here? And I'm like, sorry, uh, how does it make me rich if I'm, you know, obviously a host of the show. So he's like, then he kind of started giving me a, a background about how he knows me. I'm like, how do you know me? Do you watch my show? So he's like, uh, no, I don't watch your show because I, we also put it as a podcast on Google, Spotify, mm-hmm. Amazon and other places. So he's like, I just listened to the Google stuff and I thought you would be very rich. Uh, and I'm like, sorry, it's uh, so the podcasters need to be rich. Is is that so? So, but yeah, that's how oh, that's it funny. is, right? The, yeah, it it was so. I much think I know fun. the guy you're talking about too. I met him in a Sydney last year. Yeah, the employee. Oh, There's not it? a lot of them over there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's okay. a good dude. I think if I had the same person, but yeah, that's interesting. The kind of the perception of uh, the public on um, 
uh, podcasters. I, I can guarantee right? you that, uh, yeah, it's unless you're a uh, Jake Paul or Mr. Beast or something, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to make a living as a uh, podcaster or, you know, exactly. Joe Rogan, for example, he, he does really well in his podcast, but yeah, it's, yeah. um, Definitely could be done. But it's, it, for, for me, it's something I focused on, though, right? I mean, probably leaving a lot of money on the table, but it's just one of those things where I'm just like, it is. If you if you build the audience, right, and, and people care about what you're saying, and they come back because um, you're you know you have good conversations, good guests. I think the rest takes care of itself. You know, if you, uh, I think the mistake I see some podcasters make and content creators is they try and optimize on making money too early. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just like you haven't earned the right to charge money yet. I mean, you can charge money, go for it, but it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's not going to work, odd. right? Yeah, because uh, that's a that's a very good point. Because I obviously in my journey as well, you know, people ask me that, okay, when did you start monetizing it? When did you start having brand deals? Mm-hmm. When did you start, you know, obviously collaborating with uh, other uh, creators as well? Or now, if you have like an or influencer marketing, you know, altogether or a good package for the influencer marketing and how you working with companies and, you know, helping them to ramp up their marketing. So I'm like, uh, it took me almost close to more than a year. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and it's not a lot of money that, you know, you'll make out of the brand deals as well. You need to create that trust. You need to uh, obviously have first like you mentioned, the biggest play is the audience. If you're talking the right language, if you're talking something that they would want to listen to and they'll you know, have a good t- key takeaway, that will only bring them back to your, uh, back to their Spotify and listen to you or back to the YouTube and then they'll you know, give you a thumbs up. But those thumbs up should go on for a while. It shouldn't be like just one off or uh, mm-hmm. you know, people just talking about it that, Oh yeah, we like the last episode, but that was the first one we have uh, heard from. It should be like, yeah. oh, we've heard like twenty episodes, and we kind of follow it. We try to follow it as much as we can because there are interesting guests coming on board. There are interesting questions being asked. There's no salesy mm-hmm. stuff spoken there, so it's a big win for us to you know implement things. It helps us in various ways in our career as well. And not only just yeah. that, it also helps us to upscale. It helps us to know more people in the space, uh, know more people who are approachable and we can make business with. So there are various perspectives that kind of, you know, uh, audience also has when they're listening to a podcast. Like if currently they're listening to both of us, they they obviously want to hear a story of a creator uh, or, you know, also known as people say, oh, you're an influencer, uh, which I don't like, I like maybe the creator is better word, but it is what it yeah. is. You need to, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, you need to have uh, uh, that tag, whatever tag it is, but uh, they would obviously want to learn about the journey, about the rabbit show, about the community building, about how it all kind of works behind the scenes, about podcasting. So if you're not talking about it, or if you're not sharing our experiences, they wouldn't want to be like, they wouldn't be like, they'll be like, oh, no, Robert is boring. We don't want to listen to him. They'll just go off. Uh, but if I'm kind of, you know, obviously sharing how, what my journey has been and uh, how easy or difficult it was, they would obviously want to stick in, you know, obviously learn. And if they are, you know, obviously building, wanting to build their own community or wanting to become a creator, so those are the things, you know, they would definitely uh, uh, stick on to and they'll come back to Joe's podcast. So, yeah. yeah. 
I guess what, what advice do you have for people that who want to become uh, content creators or uh, quote influencers? Yeah. So do you see uh, many as well? <laughs> I see. I, I think it's becoming more of a thing. Again, we're talking about the data space here, but I think, um, you know, I accidentally fell into it. I, I, I didn't intend to, you know, become yeah. a quote influencer or whatever I, it, is I, what it is, you, you know? Yeah. And you don't act as one as well. You, you, you're the most approachable and most humble person as well. Like I work with uh, creators and influencers. I know that uh, would be like, oh, we've, we've spent like five years into the game. And then, uh, yeah, we wouldn't want to work up, work with startups. We, we have a typical card rate that we'll, uh, you know, take on that. Oh, we wouldn't do, uh, you know, pay post for less than $2,000 or $3,000. Yeah. That's, that's how they are. But, I think everyone has their own plan and perspective, uh, no complaints there. But uh, in terms yeah. of the creators, I think the, the creator economy itself has, uh, like globally, if I talk, it has grown so much, uh, not only just, but in the data space, if I see everyone wants to be there, everyone wants to have their journey, but uh, a lot of them kind of struggle where uh, I get a lot of, a lot of people reaching out to me and they're like, Oh, how did you uh, manage to get 100,000 followers on LinkedIn? Tell us more mm. about it. We are happy to pay you. We are happy to, you know, uh, you can you can go out and, you know, uh, have your team manage our uh, LinkedIn and we'll pay you X amount. Mm. And I'm like, no, I don't do that. Like, it's your, yeah. uh, I don't know how it works. It's more on the lines where if you are, uh, like for me, it was, I found a gap where people want to learn more and more things about uh, data and AI. And I went out and, you know, obviously started creating content, free content, uh, started sharing out free resources, which are easily also available other ways. People can go on internet and find those things. Uh, but if they can't, I'm being the source of, uh, I'm being that bridge where they can, you know, obviously sit down and uh, upscale in their career. And that's why they kind of feel that, yeah. oh, Ravid, Robert does his show. He has interesting guests. We would love to, you know, hear those th those things. But not only just that, he'll come out and, uh, you know, obviously share uh, interesting things. And also with the brand deals, if I go out and, you know, obviously I'm a, like my business keeps me at a place where I have to be vendor agnostic, where I can say, oh, this is my favorite. But uh, that also gives me a good, uh, uh, you know, a good position in the creator space where, uh i'm just you know I, I don't support any of the brands like i support everyone to be honest uh whatever they're mm -hmm. doing they're doing best in their space so that also gives puts me in a better place with brands but also with the audience where oh ravid won't say this is his favorite like obviously joe it's not a you know obviously this book uh data obviously yeah, yeah. the reality where you've been mm -hmm. uh you have contributed a chapter as well sanjeev mohan yeah. has contributed in there were like almost close to nine companies in data observability. So that level of companies have actually gone out and uh, contributed. Not every day, like these data observability vendors would love to obviously sit in, uh, sit at conferences and uh, amongst each other's like on the same, same page, they should have their logos, but uh, not everyone would agree to be on a book and have their logos. Uh, but that's right. how, you know, obviously I've worked with them. I've created that, uh, 
that opportunity for them where oh i'm not you know uh, just going to support monte carlo big eye data brand and i'm low but i'll support all all of you guys and i'll put you all in a book mm-hmm. and i let the audience decide the book is for free the audience will decide uh, what uh, and you you all are contributing one chapter you're not specifically talking about the product at all in the book so yeah. audience will be there they are the biggest judge uh, for your product so that's how you know you need to create and that's where you know the creators also need to understand that it's not a ball game where uh, you just talk about like you need to find one one way where you say that okay this is what i want to fill out for my audience and once you kind of start that journey i think it will help you go places uh yeah. i i also see a lot of obviously uh creators who are who have like five different focus altogether they have like yeah. okay we'll focus on the sequel python we'll also uh, you know help this community that community even we'll work with our community oh it's not going to work right uh, because you won't right. be able to put out so much content maybe fix on something one like if you are master in sequel just go out and talk about sequel and share your journey every day or come up with a book come up with a white paper share something for the audience uh and share you know the most interesting thing is share the daily problem that they are facing once they kind of start relating to you it will help you go places again start writing blogs write a book book is like a no brainer and who better than you jo would uh, you know obviously say give a thumbs up on the book because uh, your book is like number one best selling book uh, in uh, the best book i have ever you know obviously seen around in the data engineering space and the love that your book has got uh, talking from you know obviously what i have looked and what i've seen people talking about it i have seen your book photo in trains and flights i don't know at conferences everywhere like even last year when i was in big data and ai the conference that i was talking about i i saw companies having it at their booth uh, no so that 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 level and you might even not you might not know about it as well i didn't so know that, this man exactly so that's that's the level of uh, places you can go win without knowing uh, that and that's how people you know start trusting you with authentic things that you kind of creating so yeah uh, and there's no shortcut to be honest people think you know in the next 3 months we want like people run behind numbers i and to be honest i've never ran behind numbers if uh, you know uh, someone told asked me the other day so how did you celebrate like your 100k when you reach 100k milestone i am like i didn't do anything <laughs> i i'm sorry i didn't do anything right so they're like but it's 100k you should do something you should like cut a cake with the 100k and all of those things. i'm like i'm just not that person to be honest and yeah. maybe I, i i didn't realize that that should be the thing or you need to you know obviously set a milestone i didn't set that milestone maybe that's why but creators kind of run behind those numbers i think uh, and i i've said this a lot lot of times at lot of places that even if you have like 10000 followers but if they are your right target audience you'll reach places yep. you don't need to have the 100000 folks in your account or in, as your followers uh if there are 10000 people you can make uh, more than 100 million as well with you know the right folks around you so 
that type of if they are supporting you you'll reach places not like if i have 100000 folks not like 100000 folks are liking my post right so but if there are 10000 folks and if 1000 people kind of connect with you very well and if they like your post that's like 1000 likes because people also talk about the likes the reactions the comments that they get so that's yeah. why i'm kind of putting uh, uh, it putting it that way as well that if if it's about the numbers then uh, these numbers can also get you what you need so mm-hmm. don't worry about the numbers uh, and don't worry yeah, about you know obviously yeah what the numbers are a weird one too like i think my i have no intention behind my posts they're they're just the dumbest posts i could think of like you know i put one out last week which is a picture of a um of a book that i have on my coffee table um how to appear smart in meetings um which is a satire book and it was just i think the the page was um you know uh, somebody said oh this this uh 25% of users clicked on the button and so the uh the way you look smart is say, oh that's <laughs> I like saw that, four, yeah. right but that post got you know like several thousand uh reactions i mean hundreds reactions. of thousands of views Right. And it, and it was just something where I, you know, just posted it kind of on a whim. But it, it's one of these things where I feel like the content, at least for me personally, that's done well has been um, there's no intention behind it. It's just there's no plan. And but the, anymore, that's all of my content because I just post this the most random stuff. Uh, it, there's wow. no rhyme or reason to it anymore. It's not like I'm sitting there with a content plan and a calendar saying, oh, on this day, I'm going to make this post. It's like, I don't know, I'm going to post something incredibly stupid um yeah and that tends to do really well it, it tends to do i mean and, uh, engagement's always good so i don't know um you know for content creators exactly. out there too it's like the uh i think just bringing your your quote authentic self uh you know to the table is is that's what people at least in my experience that's like what they resonate with at the end of the day i think you know and i know friends out there in the influencer space and content space who have they track all their posts meticulously. You know, they're trying to fine tune the, oh the copy. And I'm like, I think you're overthinking it in a lot of ways. Exactly. You can't do that. Like overthinking. One thing that I've never done is uh, overthinking about a post. Whatever I think, I'll just go out and post about it. Even if I like mm-hmm. get uh, less reactions, whatever it is, I'm like, let's just do it. Uh, because that's what I feel about it right now. So, and that's the same thing with you, obviously, Joe, as a personality, like, uh, as much as I know you personally, you're a fun guy, you're a nerd person in terms of obviously, when it comes to data, uh, and uh, engineering, so you are out there and you would post about, you know, obviously data modeling as well, but you'll also post about some fun stuff, some memes. So people kind of connect with you. I, I'll easily connect with all your posts because that's who you are and that's how I know you. Yeah. But also yeah. for creators, if you want to un- if you want your audience to understand you, uh, you need to put yourself out there as yeah. it is. You don't need to over-engineer any post because if you kind of go out and start over-engineering posts, you'll fall in that trap where, uh, okay, one post might do well, but the rest three of them might not. Mm-hmm. So, yep. and then there's a lot of play of the LinkedIn algo as well and the other platform algorithms as well. So you can't ever, uh, or you can't always beat the algorithm, right? It's also about the authenticity. Uh, and that's yeah. only the thing that will go a long way. Oh yeah. It's, it's so hard to, I think, uh, intentionally make things viral. It's sort of an oxymoron in a way, it, you know, it, it, the, the most viral stuff happens <laughs> like, you know, kind of by accident. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of content creators, I would say, you know, try and bust out of the, uh, there's definitely a lot of sameness out there. So everyone's sharing the same SQL tutorials. And the thing that really pisses me off is when somebody will just copy somebody else's post word for word. 
And um, I, I called somebody exactly. out on this the other day because I was like, this looks like that one post um, that this guy wrote. Uh, and so that's that's pretty corny. Don't do that. I would say also like generative AI is great and large language models are great, but I, I think I'm starting to notice posts that look like um, ChatGPT wrote them. Like there's no yeah, way around exactly. it. Like, it's just boring as hell. So. It's so true because I, you know, obviously I have a, uh, a, a few other groups as well who are in India, who, one, one from Singapore as well, those group chats and people, you, you know, obviously using chat GPT is not a problem, but use it in a way which uh, is giving you the wealth of knowledge and then you put it in your words and you understand how, what do you think about it? Because it's... Yeah. It's so it's so clear where oh there's you know uh, it will give you the hashtags as well if someone has like all the hashtags the first capital letter I know it's written by Chat GPT so don't do that because it won't put you in a place where I know everything because obviously I go out and you know also use Chat GPT I see what I, it you know it kind of gives out the results as well so uh, I don't see a, you know obviously the authenticity there and yeah it's pretty uh, creepy when obviously when someone goes out and you know copies post as it is uh, there is in sometimes it's like uh, the word text it's so annoying if it's uh, you know obviously something educational and if there are due credits given and you know obviously the owner is fine with it he's happy that oh my post is being shared by other community members it's a different story altogether then yeah it's a different story but it, there's a temptation there because you said, um, you know, there's no shortcuts, but I think people want to take the shortcuts, right? It's actually having a conversation yeah. about this last night with some uh, content creators, um, you know, and they're kind of like, you know, how do I become an expert? You know, how do I show expertise more? And it's like, there's, there's really no shortcut to it. I mean, you just kind of have to put in the work and it compounds kind of like compound interest does over time. But, I, you know, I told them there's this old Warren Buffett quote. It's kind of crass, but I think it's appropriate. It's, it's, it's like trying to get nine women pregnant and expecting a baby in a month. Like it doesn't really work that way. Um, Warren's got all kinds of stuff like this. He's kind of a crass old man, but, uh, um, but, it, but I think a description is very true, right? I think a lot of people yeah. try and short circuit the process of, yeah, you know, creating good content and getting a, a following. And it's like this, I would say if you, if you manage to do that, it, you know, it, it's, it's also like easy come easy go, right? You could lose that yeah. audience pretty quickly too. Um, I think, um, exactly it's it's worse and you know i kind of also see you know things where obviously there are there's also a side of folks on like typically on linkedin where i kind of see that oh you have you know you're putting out content and that content is a video a video of i don't know mm -hmm. how ai is doing better or how something else is doing better but i kind of feel and they'll they'll get like I don't know what type of engagement, but they, you know, obviously people, people make it, people love uh, looking at, you know, obviously these types of videos and uh, there's this type of audience as well who would be like, who would just expect, uh, you know, you're putting out informational videos and that's it. I, I don't know. It looks like right. Facebook to me. I kind of <laughs> stay away from mm -hmm. such uh, stuff because I feel in the data world, if you're kind of, you know, obviously sharing one or two videos here and there is fine about, um, but at least have your own personality to it uh, mm. because uh, that's your identity. If you want to do that, maybe do it on a company page or something, create a uh, company page on LinkedIn and, you know, grow that. 
but on linkedin i kind of feel that's that's like okay there's this shortcut people say there's no shortcut like we are talking about there's no authentic if you want to be a creator there's no authentic shortcut but right. people do feel that oh there's this shortcut where you know i put out uh interesting videos of ai data and i'll have like a million followers very easily just wait and watch it i've seen those types of people as well like oh, yeah. they kind of they kind of have like a million follower or 700k 800k followers just in like 3 years 2 years and that type mm-hmm. of you know uh audience in that type of engagement but i don't think that's like that's not my way my way is more about me being out there if i like something a webinar that Yeah. uh is coming up i'll put out my photo and put it uh, in right in front of people so people feel that oh ravit is saying that he is he's actually saying that so that's how i connect with my audience and they also kind of feel that that's the fun stuff he does even if it's the show or with yeah. other uh, things that i'm kind of also promoting to the audience so yeah yeah no you definitely have your own niche right I mean, it's it's distinctly yeah. rabbit like i can't i can't copy what you do and i don't think anyone could if they try you just have your own um Like say niche, right? You're not out there trying to be Mr. Yeah. Beast or, you know, or, or making tutorial videos. Like, hey, I'm going to teach you the top 10 SQL tricks, uh, and here we go. So it's like that's, <laughs> um, you know, it's just it's just not, not your brand, right? So exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting though. I, I I'm curious to see where this goes, especially with I, I think the uh, prevalence of generative AI, whether it's you're talking about video generation or um, you know, audio or text, right? Like it's. I'm waiting basically for like the first like AI data influencer to show up on the scene and um like purely AI uh so uh yeah. maybe maybe they'll be Ben Taylor actually when he uh um turns into a robot um so. <laughs> yeah it's interesting actually talking about that you know there was this um Instagram account I came um across in looks like this guy uh is uh is actually using uh, using generative ai for the complete account like every announcement on that account also happens through an ai he's created an ai for the account itself and everything on that account actually happens through ai like even posting happens through an ai the content uh, decision is also through an ai because he's program programmed all the things in a way where uh you know ai actually suggests the content what's in the next say two weeks three weeks the only things i think he does is the prompting uh mm. that also brings me to uh, you know obviously uh, this is a good way obviously he's done something interesting i i kind of follow his uh, instagram i'll share that with you i know we're connected on instagram yeah, yeah uh this uh this question that i had was around prompt engineering so who better than you joe would can tell me about you know what's your thought on prompt engineering because we've been listening a lot i have started listening i've already seen like last 6 months 7 months i've seen people creating courses on prompt engineering so i'm kind yeah. of curious <laughs> what's your thought on prompt engineering and what is it i mean what is it Yeah. I don't know. I think we're all still trying to figure that out, right? Cuz you're just interacting with these models and trying to get different outputs. I mean, I have a workflow that works for me. I use it, you know, quite often for um, you know, a lot of the um like building skeletons for content and stuff. I think it's super good. Yeah. Uh writing yeah. quiz questions is phenomenal actually. It's really good. So, stuff like that, you know, so I've gotten good at the things that I I think I need to know, but it, it's sort of a bottomless pit really. Like it depends on what you're trying to do. And I can't say yep. I studied prompt engineering at all, right? So I'm, I'm you know, but I think it's It feels like it's one of these things where it's just a skill that you're going to have to have, but 
it's sort of like learning how to write a good Google search. Remember when Google came out way back in the day? I remember <laughs> in the um, late '90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, I was using Alta Vista at the time, and yeah, uh, it's a university. Yes, uh, one of my friends she showed me Google. Uh, I was doing some engineering uh, math courses together, and I was like, "Oh, these results are really, really good, right?" And so, uh, you know, you get better at uh, um, you know using the search bar, and I think it's very similar to what you're seeing with uh, prompt engineering. I, um, but you know, again, the capabilities of the models too, as those improve, I'm curious to see how prompt engineering um, changes. Um, you know, and as far as social media yep. goes, it'd be interesting if you could come up with like a. Um, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd be curious to see if somebody can capitalize on like um, predicting trends in social media through um, you know some sort of a machine learning or AI model, then feeding that back into a LLM to generate new content. Uh, that's that sort of oh wow, kind of cutting edge. Like that would be pretty interesting to see, where you're not just like reacting to um, trends, but you might be uh, sort of creating them as well. It'd be very interesting to see. I think it's going to happen. Um, oh yeah, you know. So yeah, like, not. <laughs> yeah, thankful so. that I asked that question because it kind of brings that very important point. And it is, uh, you know, obviously it would be super interesting if someone kind of comes up with that type of capability and kind of capitalize on, you know, obviously getting that up. So yeah, hundred percent. Oh, it's gonna happen, man. It's gonna happen. I, my, my concern is that you know we we're going to become so reliant on this stuff that I, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with misinformation, for example, or disinformation campaigns. And, um, you know, if like, you know, it's expected about by 2025, 80%, 90% of all content online will be AI generated. I'm like, is that a good thing at the end of the day? Do we, do we, um, you know, so how do you, how do you know what's real? Right. And how do you, how do you exactly. know, uh, you know, so that, that's my biggest concern uh, is that sort of thing. And it's just, now, I was also thinking about this and that, you know, kind of switching gears in the context of just raising kids and like talking to a good friend of mine on his podcast on Friday about this. But it seems like just having the ability to think critically and, and um, decipher reality is just going to become more and more of a, um, a a skill that you have to have because, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I, yeah, but <laughs> even, even through the years, what I kind of feel is uh, then, you know, if, if there's AI generated content only, there'll be like so much of biases that will happen. Uh, for oh, sure. Yeah. And, and, and what about the opinions? Like uh, a human opinion today and 10 years uh, later, if you talk to me, I might have a different opinion altogether. What about that? How do you make an AI change that? Like, even if you feed, uh, you know, data into it, uh, I can completely flip like the next, next year, I kind of talk about mm -hmm. something completely different that, oh, I want to get into AI now completely. I'll just talk about AI. I won't talk about data at all. Uh, but how do you predict that? How does AI predict that? And that's something, yeah. you know, obviously I kind of feel everything's okay. I will definitely do a lot. Uh, it will progress a lot, but with the human touch and the human, you know, the brain, uh, it's uh, in the content that human can create that, no one can. I think that authenticity, uh, like if you yeah. are writing a book uh, today and if you write it 10 years later as well, Joe, uh, the 10th edition of, say, Fundamentals of Data Engineering, if you kind of come up with that, uh, it's going to be, you can't, you can't make uh, an AI write the 10th one. Trust me, because you have the nine books, you feed it into mm -hmm. a model, you ask, ask it to write the 10th one, I'm pretty sure it won't write the same one, uh, the one no, that you kind of, you're wanting to think. So uh, mm -hmm. it can copy your style. It can copy your, 
uh, you know, the use cases that you've used in the book uh, from the last nine times and understand, predict that, okay, the 10 times you might go out with this one and I might be pretty sure, but that year something different happened. COVID happened again, which shouldn't be, I'm sorry, but uh, some, some, something happened which changed the world. Uh, so yeah. what then? So that's a different ball game, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think that it's it's going to definitely separate out. I think content creators too who um, um, don't put the effort in to come in with original ideas. Like, actually, yeah. I'm kind of excited in some ways because it just means there's you know I don't, I don't view content as a competition per se, but um, it, it's going to be easier to stand out in a lot of ways too uh, if you are <laughs> True. able to um, sort of use uh, both right. Uh, whereas relying on um, generative AI for all your content. I think it's kind of a losing game in some ways. It's, it's easy to get content out, but it doesn't mean the content's any good. Um, right. So yeah. that's sort of the challenge right now. Yeah. Agreed. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. It's, it's cool, interesting man. times. I love it. it it's interesting yeah. times in terms of, you know, obviously the content creators as well, because everyone wants to be in the forefront. Everyone thinks that they have more knowledge than ever. If someone goes out and asks me about data modeling, uh, in depth about data modeling. Oh, what I need to go is chat GPT. Tell me everything about a, a data modeling from start till the end. Mm -hmm. But the, the place where, uh, you know, the reality hits is when Jory's kind of comes and talks about, uh, data modeling is dead or long lived data modeling. Then mm -hmm. what, what is it about? Yep. We don't know. And he'll, he'll share some perspectives, which will not be in, any of the chat GPT that you're using, any of the AI system mm -hmm. might not have those. And people might connect with him pretty easily uh, rather than, you know, the content that you are sharing, which is not at all wrong, which is pretty interesting, which is right. But it just doesn't have the human flavor or human oh, yeah. who has used it uh, over, uh, over and over again. So yeah, that's the difference. I think the other thing that's going to happen too, you know, kind of closing out is like the in-person is going to be more and more of a thing. I think yeah, I think people are just going to be kind of tired of the internet after a bit. I'm placing the bet actually on this. I think that people are going to go so tired of it that they're going to seek out more in-person experiences just because it's, I mean, if you're just reading a sea of crap, then it's like, what's the point, right? Um, exactly. You know, but I think humans are also kind of wired. To, I mean, you go anywhere in the world in the universal posture, somebody hunched over, like scrolling on their phone. Like that's <laughs> so like, anywhere you go in the, in the world. doesn't matter. I, I'm sure it's in India, right? It's like, there's, there's so true. There's, yeah, for sure. Like everyone, every day, full time. It's like anywhere, even if I have seen people, I was watching a movie last night and in a theater, uh, and I see this guy sitting next to me, he's in the mobile and I'm like, for the movie you've come and you're still in mobile. Like that's the only place like I see oh, maximum wow. people watching a movie, right? But this guy is in the mobile and I'm like, Oh, good. Do the movie theaters let, allow that to happen over there or do they kick you out? No, they, they still allow if you're not making any noise or, you know, if the, okay. the person sitting next to you is uh, okay with it, then they won't have a okay. problem with that. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. And the States will get thrown out of a theater if you do that. Oh, you can't use mobile at all? Mm -mm. Oh, my. Wow. That's a good one. At least. He, I mean, yeah, because otherwise you, it would just be a sea of screens. You can't, you know, what's the point? It's like, so it's exactly. just distracting. That's a good I've one. Yeah. People take phone calls in a movie theater. I'm just like, what are you doing? You're insane. <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's it, what a world. <laughs> cool. 
All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, it's good having you on the uh, show. Good to chat as always. We'll uh, be catching up, I, I guess, next month. Uh, and, um, yes. Big day in London. London. So, yeah. Yes, it will be fun. I'm looking forward to your uh, keynote at Big Data London, Joe. So it will be super fun. Nice. Looking forward to hanging out, having dinners, drinks, and uh, yep. obviously meeting you after knowing for more than three years, now four years. Yeah. Maybe more than that. Long time. Yeah. <laughs> long, long time, man. Well, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'll uh, put your uh, links in the uh, show notes here. Uh, but yeah, man, always good to talk to you. So have a Same here, Joe. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> no worries.